Want to know how Canada's top entrepreneurs think about creating significant wealth? Join me, Thane Stenner, founder of Stenner Wealth Partners at CG Wealth Management and host of the Smart Wealth Podcast. Download today at iHeartRadio or your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe now. Hello, everybody. I'm Thane Stenner of uh, Stenner Wealth Partners of CG Wealth Management, and I'm the lucky host of the BNM Bloomberg Smart Wealth Monthly Podcast, where I get to interview some uh, interesting uh, professionals and entrepreneurs on various subjects uh, each month. And I'm very pleased to say that the podcast is just beginning to kind of grow by leaps and bounds. So very excited to, to be with you here today. I have a very special guest uh, here today. Her name is Cindy Radu. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this since we first talked about it. So excellent. Well, really so fun. so so am I. And you're you're based in Calgary. Okay. Just wanted to put that on the board there for those Albertans. And I think uh, you know, I'll get you shortly to kind of talk about your background personally and professionally. But um, you know, obviously, you know, as a professional, you you have clients across Canada. And do you actually go into the US as well? Just curious. Um, I haven't yet, uh, other than we'll talk about Tamarind, um, <clears throat> sort of that cross-border experience, but I'd be more than happy to work with families in the U.S. for sure. Okay, great. Well, listen, um, let me set the table for our audience here. Um, this is an interesting topic. It's it's basically family governance. Mm-hmm. So before you kind of click off and say governance, oh, this sounds kind of boring. It's actually... <laughs> really interesting uh, work. And, uh, you know, I've, I've personally read a lot of professional books around this topic, and it's a really important topic that uh, Cindy will kind of share with us more about. But, you know, there's a phrase in the wealth management industry um, and the family enterprise industry that, that talks about shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. Uh, so basically it kind of references how, it's uh, challenging and difficult to kind of maintain and still grow and engage with you know the you know the first three generations particularly of um, of wealth creation. So I'm very pleased to have Cindy here today. She's an expert on the topic, and with that in mind, uh, do you mind Cindy just giving a little bit about your personal and professional background so we can begin? Sure. Well, this could take the whole podcast, so I'll try. I'll try to keep it to the key points, but um, I've had a very interesting and rewarding career. I started out actually as a chartered accountant and um, decided that wasn't going to be what I wanted to do professionally uh, and ended up as the controller at Bennett Jones, which is a fantastic law firm in Canada. And at the age of 23, I had a staff of 17 people and running one of the, well, running, running the accounting department for one of the um, best, in my opinion, law firms in Canada, Hmm. uh, which was incredible. And at the age of 28-ish, I was like, okay, what am I going to do for the rest of my career? And I had just kind of fallen in love with law and lawyers being in that environment and decided to go back to law school with the thought that I'd end up back there. Um, which ultimately I did. But when I got into law school, I was focused on tax and trusts. 
and became the co-author on the university textbook on taxation and estate planning in Canada mm. and um, and found kind of this sort of academic education. I'm an education junkie, as you'll find as we go through this a bit, but I ended up out in Vancouver after law to do my master's in law. And I clerked at the BC Court of Appeal and got called to the mm. bar in, in your hometown mm. um, and then eventually came back to Calgary because it's more affordable here. <laughs> gotcha. And, uh, practiced as a tax lawyer and kind of had this before what I call my BC before child career. And when uh, after Lucy, my daughter was born, I um, didn't go back into that six minute Bill Belauer environment. I worked with one of the big financial institutions as a resource to their private banking team and to their really high net worth clients. And I love that that kind of interaction. And then I had an opportunity to uh, start for another financial institution, their Western Canadian multifamily office and branch. So I did that um, as well. And so really had been working in this family office space. I also ran, uh, started and ran a trust company uh, for another for another group of, of, of advisors. And that was fantastic as well. But it's always kind of been this weaving around um, high net worth, wealth, family transition, trusts, and governance that we'll we'll get to talk to talk about. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I love learning. I've done um, my designations are at some point have all been FCA, which is a fellow chartered accountant, LLB, LLM, trust and estate practitioner. Uh, I have been very involved with STEP globally. Um, most recently, I had co-chaired the business, the Global Business Family Special Interest Group. And um, in 2018-19, I was um, chosen by my global peers of over 20,000 peers as Trusted Advisor of the Year, which was a wow. great accomplishment. Fantastic. And I find out next week if I have, I'm in a finalist category for Family Business Advisor of the Year with um yeah with with some really great other finalists so uh so step has been fantastic i have my icd.d which is governance focused i did my cfp i don't know there's other yep. fea i've done my fea designation so a, a, a joy of lifelong learning and yep. um, and i bring that to to my clients gotcha so i'm going to ask you some softer questions but just to kind of bring to the surface uh, some things about you. So why do you do what you do? Oh and, my gosh. And, and yeah. you don't have to call me Oprah or anything, but yeah. I mean, why do you actually like, why do you enjoy this work so much? Oh, I, um, well, I, I'm going to say two, two main things. So one is obviously my own love, my own <laughs> love of learning, but I have seen so many families I don't want to say destroyed. I don't want to like dramatize stuff, but really have a hard, hard time understanding the structures and how I frame it is the structures that have been done to them. And I feel a tremendous amount of responsibility for that because I used to do that. I used to be one of those lawyers who would do a structure, put a structure in place, yeah. talk to, you know, typically dad, maybe mom and dad and give them like this massive planning memo that there's no possible way they've read or even if they did that they would understand. And over time, I just came to appreciate that like this isn't helping anybody. We're not, 
you know, we're doing really, really good technical work. But as we're moving into this massive wealth transition stage that we're in, we're starting to see the chips in the armor. And so we need to do better and we can do better. Um, and so part of the reason actually that I've dropped most of my designations is because I want to be that really independent voice for the clients and have um, like a really collaborative relationship with the advisor team where I'm not doing what they do anymore. I am really just kind of part of this integrated wealth advisor team Excellent. and bring these years of legal accounting, trust, financial institution, family office background lens to that team as an objective person. So yeah. that's really, um, it's not like I could have planned this. It wasn't a career trajectory, but I've really just found my my happy place and the clients I get to work with just bring me so much joy. And uh, yeah, it's really fun. It's great Fant work. Fantastic. So you're kind of like a Sherpa or navigator. Yeah. Uh, yeah in many ways. That's good. So yeah. before we go into, because one of the things I had asked of you is that we could go through two or three examples of, you know, fact patterns and stories, you know, um, I think one is public and then some others, You've changed the the names uh, to protect the innocent or not so innocent. Um, but I think, you know, tell us a little bit about Tamarind uh, Learning Canada and obviously where it was founded in the U.S. as well, just to yeah. maybe put that on the table. Yeah, thanks for asking about that. Um, so for me, education obviously is is really important. And, you know, when we talk about governance, which we'll be getting into, the... Um, the definition that I really have kind of gravitated to when it comes to governance is one that's been put forward by Matt Fulbrook. And I'm just going to read it because I, I want to make sure I get it right. And it's intentionally cultivating effective conditions for making decisions. So if you think about governance, it's that's what it is. It's about making good decisions. Good governance is about making good decisions. So what are the conditions that you need to have to make good decisions. And there will be many, many, many conditions. But for me, one of them is you need to understand what you're making decisions about, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so that ties in really nicely for me to this idea of, of education. Um, so, so what happened was I have, you know, families who are obviously really interested in education and a couple of years, probably three years ago now, uh, on my LinkedIn popped up this, oh, we're doing a soft launch of um, uh, Tamron Learning. And I hadn't heard about Tamron Learning. I knew of Kirby Ross Plock, anybody who kind of works in the family office space and high net worth individuals will have heard of Kirby. <clears throat> and so I listened to this podcast or went on this webinar and saw this introductory demo. And I'm like, wow, this is really, this is really something else. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll get a demo with this client and, um, and it is, it's fantastic. And the client thought it was fantastic, but the reality was it was developed in the U S and so it, it had a lot of U S content that just wasn't going to translate easily into Canada. And, and so I said to the client, you know, realistically, this isn't probably going to be a great fit because I'm going to have to translate so much with you. And we had that call with Kirby <laughs> Um, and in the kind of course of those conversations, Kirby learned the background that I've just shared with you. 
And, um, and she invited me to Canadianize the content. And I'm like, what an amazing opportunity. Again, right up my alley. I yep. love writing. I love the education. Um, I love not having to be technical anymore. Uh, I used to do a lot of writing and speaking, uh, you know, CA to CAs to CAs, lawyers to lawyers, that kind of thing. Um, but it's a way different approach when you're working with families. And uh, anyway, so that's how I got introduced to Tamarind. Kirby and I worked together uh, with her team to create the Canadian platform. So we do now have Tamarind Learning Canada. And uh, again, just really delighted that Kirby invited me to be the chief learning officer for Tamarind Canada. So Fantastic. it's uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's really fun for me to to have that opportunity. Oh, thanks for sharing. I, so let's let's transition now into some examples, right? I think uh, stories or examples or illustrations tend to, I find, really bring home the mm -hmm. concept. So, uh, as far as governance goes and wealth education, um, you know, a lot of studies out there, and I think you maybe want to reference one. Mm -hmm. study so I'll, I'll leave that right now to you to do yeah um there's a rbc you know many institutions do some great studies but rbc had done a interesting study in about 2017 and if we think about let's just say canada is about roughly 10 percent of you know yep. the u.s yep. so in the u.s they're expecting 84 trillion to transition by 2045 and 16 trillion in the next 10 years. So let's just say we've got about $1.5 trillion of wealth in play over the yep. next 10 years. Mm -hmm. So this RBC report, it they look at uh, sort of the wealth transition that's in place and how we're preparing the, the rising generation. And they're saying education, if it's happening at all, based on their survey, is that it's happening late. And um, only 35% of parents are actually intending to educate their children. And 35% of them were prepared to receive wealth. So we kind of have, it's probably that 35% who themselves were prepared <laughs> that are like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is great. We need to prepare. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to prepare the next gen. But the survey also went on to um, identify that when those discussions were taking place, they're highly superficial. And it's really just primarily telling people how much money is there, but very little to actually prepare them for that, for that wealth. Or, you know, if there is education, it's really informal, it's unstructured. Uh, so, you know, really, um, you know, there's, I think they said something like 40-ish percent of parents actually want to start helping their kids, but they haven't done anything. So we're kind of putting this off and putting this off. We recognize that, you know, we need to do this, uh, but it's a little bit of a head in head in the sound. Um, so, 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 why, so why do you think, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think people aren't having those family discussions so far? Yeah, well, I mean, interesting that you asked that because, I, I, you know, I know we just introduced this report, but it actually talked about those barriers and it, and I'll just give you these statistics. So it, they said 31% said that they they felt unprepared. So we'll just call that generation one. We'll yep. call it, you know, yep. so they're, they feel that they're not prepared to do this. Uh, another 27% feel like the rising generation isn't old enough 
which is really interesting because you can start with kids well below age of 18 on this on this stuff yes um, 15% said they don't feel that the rising generation is ready and we had 13% um not comfortable but talking about their death so we've got kind of got that persona of people that I just I'm not comfortable talking about this for me I think that from a family perspective it's it's intimidating like you don't know where to start or how to start and they want um education that's interesting and practical and applicable to where they're at, but it also needs to be efficient, right? Everybody's busy and they're spread right. out over the world. Right. And, and so traditional education models that, you know, we would have grown up with and we're familiar with just aren't working. Like they're not flexible. You can't be bum in the seat. Often they're boring. They're not directly relevant. Um, mm. I mean, family members, they don't know what they don't know. Advisors, mm. we don't know what we don't know. Um, you know, so you start kind of going to conferences and some of that might be relevant, but then you're back home and you're busy and you're not really applying it. Uh, and then it's really hard to curate topics on your own, right? Again, mm. you don't know what mm. you don't know. You don't know who's best in field, what's current, you know, if stuff's out of date. Uh, so it, it is a real, real challenge for families to to embark on this on this journey. That's the role of, you know, chief learning officer that's uh, evolving and more interest in this in this space and tools like like Tamron Learning for people to get going. So so again, we'll get into some examples here shortly. But so the Tamron Learning platform is kind of a digitized or an online portal, yeah. uh, and clients I think pay kind of a subscription to it, and it's a learning curriculum that they can kind of go through at their own pace, and then. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it basically combines the, the, the personal navigator mm -hmm. Sherpa uh, named Cindy here in Canada. Um, is that fair? Is it it's combination some some in person or is it mostly virtual? Yeah, yeah again, a really, really great question. Um, you are getting better at this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so there's we kind of talk about three different uh, advisor archetypes. So there's what I'll just call like the type that just wants to hand off. They recognize this is really important, but they don't really want to be involved in this is that this <laughs> isn't their primary, um, you know, their primary way of earning a living. This isn't what they want to do for a career, but they recognize that this learning is really important. So they want to find that tool and really hand it off. You know, they'll stay in touch peripherally. Um, the next one is, you know, somebody that's, you know, kind of wants to stay in touch, but wants to have maybe somebody else like me lead. run that, like lead that, like develop the education plans, make sure that the cohorts are running smoothly. If there's a cohort of people, um, you know, really hands on, they don't want that really hands on role, but they want to stay involved. And then there's other people like me in my advisor role, because I'm of advisor role separate from um, what I do with Tamron is, yeah, I would dig up, I'd roll up my sleeves and I'd get right in there. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so there's those different personas from the advisor perspective, um, from the family perspective, we also have to be really aware of that because people have very different learning styles mm -hmm. right? and they have different times of day that they like to work. Some people mm -hmm. like to study in the middle of the night. Some people mm -hmm. are like, no, I got to do it first thing in the morning. Some like really structured learning. Some like 
I'm just going to do like plow through this weekend because it's raining out and my plans change. So I'm going to take this time. Mm. So, you know, um, asynchronous is the term that we use with Tamarind. It's, it's, uh, you can do it at your own, your own time, but there's an overall goal, you know, get this done by the end of next month, but I don't care if you do it all next weekend or you you know, spread it out and do a little bit every day. So that asynchronous learning opportunity um, with cohorts, if if it's there's more than one individual learning in that same cohort, so that we have times together to share our learnings and have conversations and apply it to um, your specific circumstances. So a lot of flexibility and the content itself, which we can talk about later, perhaps is covers all the bases. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So I actually have a client based in Calgary, uh, mm-hmm. clients across Canada that we deal with, we've got 47 of them, uh, which, you know, family offices and whatnot. But I've actually got this family group. I was just thinking as you were talking that I think could actually really use you uh, and mm-hmm. your expertise. We're just going to take a quick break. So please stay with us and we'll be right back with Cindy Radu. Want to know how Canada's top entrepreneurs think about creating significant wealth? Join me, Thane Stenner, founder of Stenner Wealth Partners at CG Wealth Management and host of the Smart Wealth Podcast. Download today at iHeartRadio or your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe now. Welcome back, everybody. I'm with Cindy Radu, and we're having a great conversation, so let's get back started. Let's jump in to give us uh, an example of or a story that you can kind of share around uh, a situation Mm-hmm. And let's start off with a good situation, like uh, family fully engages. And then, of course, you've got to have some fun stuff, you know, well, maybe <laughs> not so fun, some challenging stuff on the second story. And we'll you yeah. know, possibly finish there. So over from there. Yeah. OK, um, so one of my favorite recent ones, actually, is I'm going to call this the totally proactive, like <laughs> out of nowhere. And of course, Uh, you know, I love these scenarios where you get, I get called to say, we, we need help. Like it's the family identifying this. And in this particular situation, um, it was the, the dad and he was in a, you know, one of these peer group cohorts. And he's like, they're doing this thing that many people will be familiar about called a state freeze. They were doing their first estate freeze. And the dad was like, my accountant is saying this and my lawyer is saying this. They're both really smart, really capable people. I have no idea what they're saying. And they seem to be saying different things to me and I can't filter it. Yeah, different languages, different speaking different languages. Very, very much so. And, And so that was the ask. It was like, can you just help me basically be an interpreter for what's going on here? Hmm. And, you know, what kind of questions I I should ask? Hmm. And and so that's how we started. And I spent some time with him and he said, oh, you know, could you come talk with me and my wife and go through this? Because she'd really find this helpful. And then we kind of fast forward a few months. So after, you know, they understood basically what it was that they were trying to do, then the documents started coming and they got, you know, great big trust deed document that was maybe 40 pages long. I don't know. They can be shorter. They can be longer. Yep. And the ask was, can you tell us um, who our beneficiaries, who your beneficiary settler and trustee are? 
So I get the call and he's like, I don't even know what this means. How am I supposed to pick these people? I don't know what they, what skills they should have, what their characteristics should be. Hmm. And I'm like, again, great question. So we went through that Mm -hmm. and um, we spent time again, one-on-one at at their place going through, well, what does this mean? What is this? Like, well, really oddly, a settler doesn't really have anything to do (laughs) with Hmm. the trust. Hmm. Um, It's kind of a, you know, one-time transaction almost uh, versus, you know, who are the beneficiaries and who are the trustees? Those are really super critical things to to understand. And what's the difference between uh, like a trustee and a guardian? Those were questions that came up. So having that um, real one-on-one time, real time with the family, in this case, the parents, the kids are still quite young, the, tra- the, tr- the transaction has now closed just as of last week. Well, they haven't signed the documents yet because he got the 400 page closing book and he's like, I need you to go through this with me before we sign off. So basically, so, so basically that was a business sale they were going through. Uh, it, well, an estate freeze, which. Oh, sorry. Uh, my apologies. Yeah. My apologies. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, not selling a business, but just this idea yes. of. Yeah, freezing the value right now and then transferring ownership in, of some of the shares into a family trust. Yes. So that's why, you know, understanding all this is, you know, now we have an, we had an operating company, but now we have a holding company and we have a trust and we have the operating company and how yep. do all these bits and pieces fit together? Mm-hmm. And when you think about governance, really interesting, right? Because where are decisions being made? Who are the owners? Who are the directors? Who's the CEO? You know, these different roles need to be really clarified in terms of understanding where and how you're making decisions and that, you know, what hat are you wearing, Hmm. right? Yeah, excellent. So you walked them through this 400 page document. Oh, that's next week. (laughs) Oh, okay, sorry. So the 40, let's start with the 40 page one then. Yeah. So you walked them through. So what was... Was he relieved after, like, did he? Yeah. 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 Cause then they understand and it's like, oh, okay. So for this person, you know, would I pick, you know, my brother-in-law or would I pick it? Yeah. That would be a good person for this, but these are the characteristics you want for the trustees. So trustees right now will be mom and dad. So they're like, okay, we, we need some education. So they'll be ongoing education about what is their role as trustees and what do they need to do? And, yep. you know, yeah. And then um, identifying the beneficiaries, um, you know, and again, how does that all tie in to their wills and some of their other structures and their yep. insurance? Yep. So there's lots of, it's not a one and done. It's yes. like peeling back layers of the onion, right? So we yes. start with the big picture and then something's going to happen. There'll be a, and I'll say, okay, well, remember when we talked about, so this is this now in action, right? So now you're declaring a dividend from your company, right? Or from your holding company up to your trust. Yep. So now what are we gonna do with that? Yeah, exactly. Where's that money gonna go? Do we wanna keep that in the trust and invest it there and use that as a family bank? And what would that look like? And what would we use that money for? And how do we make decisions about that, right? So it's not just the decision about, okay, we're making a dividend and we're gonna pay it out. There's so much fun stuff you can do with that money. Yeah. um, so it's not, it's not, yeah, it's, it's more than just the mechanical or legal or accounting steps. It's actually, yeah. what is the strategy around those items? 
So yeah, what are the opportunities? Really, what are the opportunities, right? So again, governance, we're making good decisions. There is a lot of wealth tied up tied up in these structures, right? Yeah. And if you don't understand them, that's that's not good, mm. right? really not good and you're going to start ending up with the the rising gen asking questions and you know not to sort of put dad throw dads under the bus but typically dads will kind of say well they'll try to answer the question they'll say well this is how it works but they're filtering that through their their lens and it might not actually be how it how it works um and so you you like having that independent person to, you know, say, this is, yeah, this is how it would work. Here's an example. This is how I've seen other families do this. This is where it's like, we're talking about today, yep. right? This yep. is where I've seen things maybe not go so well. Um, but this is how we got it back on track. Hmm. Uh, and that's really hard for families to do by themselves because they're like an isolated system. <laughs> Yeah, yep. to themselves and you know golf course planning doesn't really work well <laughs> well said so right. so so let's just extrapolate out or take this scenario out so state freeze next week that's clearly 400 pages uh there's going to be extra complexity with that so you know you're taking let's just call it you're taking g1 or or you know dad and mom through this process and then, so what would be the game plan you would try to develop with them, with Tamarind as a, as a learning platform and you as a strategic advisor over the next 12 months? Like, where would you, yeah. where would you ideally like to go with that family? Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to assume this family is a little bit older and a little bit further on yes. down the path yep. and their, and their kids are older because their kids are still quite young. So the education that we're looking at there is more um targeted to to younger kids and you know robin Tobb has got a great book called um the wisest investment for example um mm-hmm. that is a good source for that and raising financially fit kids by jolene godfrey so there's there's other tools that we look at for for the younger younger uh, generations yes. um but if this was you know further along it's like okay how do we communicate this now to mm-hmm. and ideally I was going to say, how do we communicate this now to the rising generation? Ideally, which rarely, if ever happens, we're having these discussions before the structures put in place, right? We're actually having a conversation with the rising generation saying, this is what we're thinking about doing. The, you know, We'll have advisors in the room going through these structures and what the technical outcomes could be. And then somebody like me who's saying, okay, and these are some of the opportunities or some of the considerations before we get the structure in place. Now with the structure is in place, it's like, okay, what are we going to do with this? So, um, you know, family, family governance, what are we putting some structure around that? Talking about family charters is a term that you'll often hear or family constitution. Um, uh, if we're going to be using some of the, is there going to be shared wealth? How are we going to proactively use that shared wealth to prepare the rising generation to, you know, for their distributions or to inherit this? So we need to get a plan in place to prepare them because what is, what is this estate freeze anyway? And what does it mean to be a good steward of wealth? And what is my responsibility as a beneficiary? 
And what did trustees do anyway? And gosh, I should probably have some financial literacy. How mm -hmm. do I do that? How do I understand what is a financial planner? What are all the different advisors in this crazy world of wealth? And what are their roles and how do mm -hmm. they work together? Mm -hmm. So it's really, um, there's a lot of content to cover, but what is of interest to them and why, you know, we talk about it, Tamron, what's in it for me, the WIFM. Like what, what is, you have to be motivated to, yeah. to really make this a win. Exactly. So spending that time with individuals saying, you know, what is it that's going to motivate you to learn? And, you know, what are some of your fears about wealth or what do you see as some of the opportunities? And then from there, building out a plan, understanding how much time they have to commit, how they like to learn. Does the family want to work as a cohort? Do they want to work as a blended cohort, maybe with another family um, or, mm. you know, other peers? Mm. Um, and, and so tailoring that plan so that it's going to work for the family and then putting some markers in place so that we have goals that we're working toward. Um, milestones. Milestones. Yeah. 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 And capstones, right? To say, Absolutely. yeah great, we've done this. And then, you know, let's say you're doing something on trust at the education piece on trust, you're learning about trusts and how they're set up and what's, you know, who's a settler and a beneficiary and a trustee generically, then we can go, okay, here's your trust. So let's, you guys walk through it independently and you see if you can identify who these different parties are. And then mm -hmm. we're going to have a, we're going to have a call or a meeting or whatever. And we're going to go through this together. Mm -hmm. What came up for you? What did you find confusing? You know, and it, it becomes an actual live learning process, not gotcha. something that's in a bubble. Yeah. And very practical, right? From yeah. point of view. Yeah. So yeah. It, it it probably is a combination of video online and also in person because, you know, families have people all over the place, right? Um, so in this day and age, I guess with COVID, we're, we're all, you know, a lot more used to doing video. Um, I probably do like eight to 10, you know, zoom calls a day. So it's people all over the world. I, inter I interviewed or chatted with a client the other day in uh, Israel, uh, another one in Montreal. And it's, it's actually just, it's kind of weird because I didn't think I would adapt to the technologies as easily yeah. as I have, but you know, last three years, I, I don't know how many video calls I've been, but I, I find you can just, it's a lot, it's really easy, right? It's really easy to kind of, now, is it the same as being exactly in the room in person? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's not one or the other. I think it's, it's a both end. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, there are opportunities when you build out learning plans with families to say, okay, we're going to have a capstone event, right? In person. And we're gearing up for that. And I like that. that yeah, before that capstone event, and you're going to say, well, Thane's going to be there. And, you know, we're going to have, we're going to go through your investments. We've just gone through all the investment modules, all yep. the investment lessons. And you've learned, you know, that there's different types of investments. You've learned about, you know, rates of return. Yep. You've learned about the taxation of these types of instruments. Mm -hmm. So now let's, we're going to have capstone event in person. Thane's going to go through yep. this in context of your specific portfolio very good we're just going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with cindy radu so stay with us 
Want to know how Canada's top entrepreneurs think about creating significant wealth? Join me, Thane Stenner, founder of Stenner Wealth Partners at CG Wealth Management and host of the Smart Wealth Podcast. Download today at iHeartRadio or your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe now. Welcome back, everybody. I'm with Cindy Radu. Let's get back to the conversation. Let's transition to a challenging scenario, one that you've maybe observed. I don't want to put you on the spot and say participated in, but uh, just to emphasize what can go wrong and why it's so important for families today to kind of maybe step it up a bit from a point of view of because at the end of the day, people do things, I think, for two main driving reasons, fear, greed, or pain or pleasure. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, families, I think, generally speaking, want to avoid the pain of, of uh, uh, going through scenarios that involves money, uh, you know, uh, you know, that old, uh, not truism, but that old phrase of, um, you know, money's evil or you know there's there's a whole bunch of different negative connotations to it or challenges to it so just maybe share with the audience kind of a scenario that you've observed yeah so i'm going to share a public domain scenario um which is actually a case that came out of british columbia and the family name is prani which is again it's in the public domain and um you know, again, it's it's one of these estate freeze scenarios. And I wasn't involved in this. So I'm just going from what I've read from the court documents that I've seen. But the understanding is that there were, I think it was four brothers, and they're all involved in the same family business. And they did one of these estate freeze transactions. And when you have multiple siblings like that, how they decided to do it was create four different trusts for each, what I'll call it, each family branch. And um, and you, they tend to get kind of cross-pollinated, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end of the day, you end up with, you know, somebody who in each trust is a trustee, they're a beneficiary, they're a director of the companies, they're shareholders themselves directly. And, and then some of these roles were crossing, but yeah. Well, lots, lots of different hats, right? Lots of different hats. How, um, what happens in Canada without getting really technical, but um, trusts have, people think of it as a lifespan of 21 years. It's not that, it's what we call a deemed disposition every 21 years for tax purposes. So we pretend the trust disposes of the assets. Mm. If you have shares of a, of a private company that's grown tr- dramatically in value, you, you need to take steps to avoid paying prematurely paying tax. If you have like an investment portfolio in the trust, it may, it may or often isn't a big deal, right? But in this case, we've got private company shares that had grown significantly in value. And so the, in a nutshell, the very standard procedure is you, what's called roll out those, those assets to a capital beneficiary. You don't need to know the details. Basically what it means is it happens on a tax-free basis. You reset and you start the, start this all over again. Got it. And what typically that means is dad, who's a trustee, who's also a beneficiary, would get those assets and then would do the transaction again to reset the clock. When in this scenario, when the 21-year rule hit, 
some of the cousins were like, "Uh, uh, uh, you're in a conflicting role here. You can't roll that out to yourself. I'm a beneficiary and I want some of this. Mm. And unfortunately it went to litigation and went to the BC Supreme court. And, um, when it eventually worked its way all the way up to the Supreme court of Canada. Uh, so there's some really interesting developments going on in the law here. There's nothing wrong with the way the transaction was done. Like everything is done appropriately. But for me, for kind of moving back to this education lens and this governance lens, there were unlikely to have been proactive conversations with those families to mm. understand the purpose, like what was the purpose of the trust? Why are we putting these structures in place? What is the long-term plan here? How are you, what's your role as a beneficiary? Mm. Why does it make sense for us to do this? But instead you have, I, I mean, I don't like it when people tell me this has been done and this is the consequence for you when I didn't have a choice right? Or at least a, a conversation about it so that I could prepare myself for what the outcome would be. Um, so, it, you know, it's maybe not surprising that people kind of get their shorts in a bit of an odd, on yeah. that kind of thing. So right? in that type of scenario, I mean, I'm trying to actively listen to what you just said there. And you said, okay, the ideal scenario is being consulted, you know, as a beneficiary or trustee in advance, but a lot of times these things are, they've been set up, they've been set up for a long time. So you're mm. kind of jumping into the deep end with these, these families. Right. And so, so I just want to make sure people that are listening to this don't think, well, I didn't get Cindy's help at the beginning. Oh, and, yeah. and so like the reality is there's no perfect time to start this process. No, 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 no. And in fact, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I do have a family, like an actual client family that that was the scenario. And so uh, it was not that dissimilar in that there were multiple branches and trusts had been set up and there was kind of a mat, I'll call it a mat. I keep doing a triangle because that's what we, <laughs> we draw them as, uh, as lawyers, um, and accountants, but, um, there was a master trust and then there were all these other trusts, but the communication hadn't been really good. And, the, the generation that had set the trust up had long passed away. And one of the branches was uh, was going a bit rogue. And, and it was like, we need to nip this in the bud. Like, we don't want our family. We, we're now in generation. I think they're in generation four or five. We don't want our family to be... Dragged through the mud. Oh, yeah. Well, not not even dragged through the mud. We don't want our family destroyed. Like, we, we love our family. Like, mm we're good and we have great times together and mm -hmm. we want that to continue. And we don't want the cousins and the, you know, nieces and nephews to bear, you know, feelings that are tainted by, you know, the sins of the father mm -hmm. <laughs> kind yes. of thing. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and so we had an opportunity to go, okay, like, let's just take a pause and let's understand, let's actually understand how these structures are set up because there were a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings sure. and once you clear those up you've kind of cleared the air you can let the dust settle it's like okay what do we want to do now and, you know fair enough if somebody says you know what this has been great i understand it but we still want to exit okay right that's fair but let's exit that doesn't mean that you're not part of the family that we can't continue mm -hmm. to you know yeah. There, it it, ha it has to be no harm, no foul, right? Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't have, 
ideally it's no harm, no foul. Correct. At some point you have to kind of go, somebody needs to take the reins and make the bold move and say, yeah, let's, let's just deal with this head on because not talking about it isn't going to make it any better. Yeah. So education, being proactive on education allows yeah. you to start cracking the nuts on these conversations, but you can do it in a, um, in a really safe space. So you're, you're learning on neutral case studies that mm -hmm. don't have the emotional overlay. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. then you can start to build into, okay, well, how does this apply? But that's, you know, really important concept in Tamarind is this idea of safety and learning, right? That you're not having to butt up against, you know, sensitive topics in that learning process. Yeah. And, and also not trying to, uh, not trying to operate on yourself. So this is fascinating work, Cindy. Uh, I can see why you're so passionate about it. And, and I've, heard through many sources you you're exceptionally good at it and gifted at it so well okay. done uh so i guess just to wrap this up um mm -hmm. what two or three points would you just like to leave people with from our time today mm -hmm. takeaways takeaways uh well, i'm going to say Doing nothing, like the ostrich in the sand thing is not a great way to prepare a family. Um, we've, you know, kind of seen that yep. in, in Granny. And like starting too late is also problematic. So don't be afraid to start and, you know, look at what the options are. Um, there's lots of great tools online. And then I'm happy to... Uh, share with your audience if you want. I can send you some links for um, like some wealth assessment, simple, simple wealth assessment tools that you can, you know, people can look at and kind of get a, oh, okay, well, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Or yeah, education doesn't have to be boring. Um, yeah. You know, that's another, <laughs> that's a real other thing. And I think from, from the positive perspective, I, I hope we could all agree that it's better to have an empowered, educated beneficiary of wealth 100%. Than, somebody, than somebody who's not prepared. 100%. And so, um, and I guess I would also maybe add to that, that, you know, this isn't about perfection. I think people kind of maybe don't start because they say, well, I feel like I'm behind. I don't know what I don't know, but at the end of the day, you got to start somewhere. And mm -hmm. if you really, you know, from what I see with the types of families we deal with, if you really care about your family's happiness over time, Mm -hmm. trying to remove or educate but then remove potential stumbling blocks that could come their way uh the ongoing education piece is very powerful it's extremely powerful so um i guess i do have a last question question i have for you um so what is what is typically the time commitment you alluded mm. to this earlier people don't do it because they're busy which yeah. is very true from what I've observed, but you take this on, you take them on this journey of a year or two years, for an example. Yeah. Are we talking a couple hours a month kind of things, a family, maybe online or in person? Like what, yeah. what sort of range of time? Well, the, so the, the, 
it's almost a bit backing into what's available, what the family can can do. So that development of the learning plan is got to be collaboratively designed. Yeah. If um, like let's say an individual who's got heads down and really just wants to go go go, um, Tori Holly, who's our um, you know, works with Tamarind, She she estimates that it's about a hundred hours to get through all the content. Um, without doing, we've got so much content in there, like there's movies and PDFs of books. And, you know, for people who are interested in a particular topic, there's lots of great deep dive material, but you might just want to know the basics and not, you know, do that extra stuff. So if you're just kind of doing all that basic, um, about a hundred hours. So how you spread that out, that's up to you. Um, like I developed the content, but I've also done the course and uh i it's so much it's so much fun for me to see it because you know i created word documents basically and yeah. it's i describe it as being a disney animator where you're in behind the scenes doing something and then you see <laughs> it on the big screen and it's like wow um but you know yeah all those extra tools and there's loads of podcasts and articles and really great resources so i think at the extreme end 200 hours or maybe even more but not everybody's going to want to be a 200 hour learner. Right. right. And there'll be some, some leaders in the family who'll go, yeah, I really want to dig into this stuff, but not everybody, which is fine. Well, listen, Cindy, it's been a pleasure having you and hosting you. And I, I'm absolutely sure that our listeners are going to be intrigued by this topic and hopefully elevate it in their thinking more and more. And uh, as far as uh, if folks ever wanted to reach out to you, uh, would they just Google Tamarind Learning Canada to get to you or how would they reach out to you? Yeah, uh, Cindy Radu. So www.cindyradu.com and yeah. um, my email address is cindyradu at iCloud.com. Sounds, <laughs> Sounds good. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, thank you very much once again for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Uh, it's clear to me and I, I quite sure it's clear to the audience that uh, you're very passionate about this work so keep up the great efforts and uh, I think I do have a client for you so okay Thank <laughs> we'll, you. we'll talk soon <laughs> have a great all day right. all right Thanks. for now Thanks everybody for tuning in for this uh, month's being in Bloomberg Smart Wealth podcast uh, my guest was Cindy Radu please feel free to check out our website at uh, stennerwealthpartners.com yeah, welcome to uh, ask us any questions and take a look at other content there as well. But join us next month. Really looking forward to seeing you. The comments and opinions expressed in this podcast are the results of work done by Stenner Wealth Partners. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity Corp. and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice, and under no circumstances should be construed as a solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or general needs of any particular person, organization, or institution. Canaccord is a member of the CIPF.
The comments expressed in this podcast are the results of work done by Stenner Wealth Partners. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity Corp. and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice and under no circumstances should be construed as a solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or general needs of any particular person, organization, or institution. Can Accord is a member of the CIPF.